Connell Tribune, Thursday, 23rd of January, 2020. 50 years on in a bridge over troubled water. It's hard to believe it's 50 years have passed, half a century since the Halicon days of 1970. It feels like the blink of an eyelid, but then that's how life goes. I remember once talking to an old uncle who lived in his 90s. He told me he remembered playing football at the crossroads when he was 10, as if it was yesterday. He probably danced at the crossroads with comely maidens as well, as he was of Dev's time. Ironically, the same uncle once advised me in life in a small rural community when I was lamenting feeling a bit of an outsider after 10 years domiciled in the hills. He replied, for fuck's sake, I'm only from Convoy and I'm still a blow in after 50 years. 1970s, a long time ago, to put it in context, 50 years before that, 1920 and the end of World War One, middle of the war independence, and the RAC were in their heyday, but we've had enough of that recently to put back mention of their name for another 50 years. We are of our time, as young people today will remember script, Ed Sheeran, Dua Lipa and Lady Gaga. We all remember the music of our late teens. In the late 50s, rock and roll and Elvis, 60s, the Beatles and Rolling Stones. The early 70s, My Sweet Lord, George Harrison, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Simon and Garfunkel, Rod Stewart and Maggie May and Sailing, The Eagles and Desperado, and Harry Nielsen's Without You. That was the song which every young guy was dumped his first girlfriend, crying into his scrumpy cider, which we could buy for 10 shillings for a gallon. It was rocket fuel which probably sustained many a riot in the early days. Sadly, six years later, James Coyle, the proprietor of the bar, was shot dead along with four regulars and another bar he owned in the city centre by a UVF gang, pure sectarian murder. On the first day of the new decade, I clearly remember walking back from the bakery that chilly morning with Barney Hughes Baps. Coincidentally, where six friends were arrested on the day of the first ceasefire in 72, and for their troubles they got 10 years in the cash for trying to relieve Barney of his dough. Over breakfast and glancing at the paper to see if Celtic won the previous night, I noticed the date, one one seventy. Only 25 years since the guns went silent in World War II. Now the guns were in vogue again on our streets. That Christmas 69 was, I suppose, my first adult one. Like a generation of Terman kids who had their rite of passage on Christmas night at the old Milford Inn. We spent that Christmas exploring this new big bad world with all its temptations which in 1970 were only drink and any female with a pulse. The horrific modern era of drug pushers and their money-making barons who are destroying young people's lives was well in the future. A first, first experience of this new world should have put me off drink for life. Along with some girls from the city centre bar I worked, we were at a house party in the university area. My recollections are waking up in the middle of the night to a mixture of free love, free wine, free weed and a guy in the corner rattling out the classic little old wine drinker me. Needless to say none of these activities involve ma, although as I quickly free wheeled out of that den of iniquity. Another little anecdote had been invited to a party on Christmas night. Now the invite made over the phone by a girl who called to the pub. I couldn't place her but she said two of them called in. This created a predicament as the pair I pictured had the usual combination 
of one you wouldn't let your mate see and the other was a proverbial goddess. Being an eternal optimist, I said I'll go, hoping it'll be a Rosanna Davison lookalike, but knowing full well it was more likely Arlene Foster's mother. There was an, also another problem. The party was at the top of the Raven Hill, just down the street from Paisley's church. The famous religion house of the silent collection as the big man stirred the pot in the early days of conflict. It was a sort of a mixed area, but more the other side of the house, if you know what I mean. I was a bit concerned heading up my own, especially when she told me there'd be about 40 or 50 there. Immediately in my subconscious, I visualized loads of Tartan gang members who would morph into the UDA in later years. But at that time, we're happy following Linfield, wearing Bay City Rollers gear and handing out beatings to any unfortunate Fenian they came across. I was hesitant about entering the land's den, but she said it'd be fine and bring a friend. So I asked Mickey Kearney and he was up for it. With her six packs of dumpy harp, we headed down the town on Christmas night to meet up with the women near the city hall. You can imagine my utter amazement when after waiting for what seemed like hours on a cold December night, I spotted this girl walking towards us, and to my eternal shock it was the Rosanna Davison lookalike. Now there might be a little hyperbole there, but you know what I mean, she was dead gorgeous. We headed in a taxi up the Ravenhill, arrived at the house, being Belfast as it was, we'd taken some protection with us. Again, being Belfast, protection wasn't something you got in the pharmacy, but something in the way of physical protection. Entering the house, the girl took her coats and nearly dropped them, such was the weight, and she gave a knowing smile. Then entering the front room, we were met not by 40 young partygoers, but the girl's sister and her husband. It had been all set up for her and I, but bringing Mickey had scuppered that. Not his fault. Needless to say, the party was a bit of a disaster. We didn't chat much, just drank our harp. We're gone by midnight. Passing by Paisley's church, I think we let out a few expletives and were tempted to check out the silent collection. But we safely got a taxi home and I never seen Athena again. Mickey and I joked about that night for many years. Sadly, 17 years later, Mickey was shot dead in an eternal feud within the NLA. Within a year, Kevy, my brother and I, lived across the street from Mickey, was shot dead by the British Army. And a decade earlier, Norman Campbell, who lived just round the corner from them, was shot dead by the UVF while working on a shankle building site. Around the beginning of 1970, the four of us had sat in a wall at the top of the state and pondered a future. They never had a future. 1970 would also encompass a short visit to Terman as work commitments and the ever-increasing street resistance to the British Army took precedence in our home street. In fact, I'd only be back once for most of the next decade. As was the norm for years previously, I'd made up with the Scottish cousins at the Mountain Bar, but this was the first time we'd be heading out to dances as young adults. My first experience was a marquee in Glen Swilly, if I remember correctly. I was working in the bar and then headed to the dance with some of the regulars. Eddie Paddy John, Dan Owen, Hudie Kitt, Paddy Feeder, Dan the Sergeant. They were mostly older than me and all bedecked in their Sunday best black suits and ties, whilst I had on my Levi's and Grandad's shirt thinking I was a trendy city slicker, till Uncle John said, where are you going, your dungarees? Sadly, many of the boys have all passed on now. Another night, the cousins and I were getting ready to go to a dance in Kilmack Hall. As we were getting ready and boiling the scarce water from the almost dry well, spraying on the brute, we heard Uncle John in his pleasant manner shouting, 
what the fuck are you washing about? Did you not wash last week? Whatever about the dwindling amounts of H2O and Stragrati, at least aesthetically we were prepared, and while maybe not going down to the river to pray, we were on our way to that old tin hut. They say, a wee nag in a bush mill, secreted past Oki Gorman's strict door rules. Whatever about being ready for a bevy of Kilmac beauties, we fairly, firmly accepted advice from some cute local farmers that we could just walk across the hall and any girl would dance with you. Now being city boys, this rather strange local custom, known widely as the ballroom of romance, didn't seem such a bad idea until we tried it. Walking across the floors, complete strangers to be firm, met with a firm no from a disinterested Rose of Kilmac. We had to make the return walk a shame back crestfallen to the amusement of the local Maylies from Terman. There was worse to come. With no lift back to the mountain, we had to use Shank's mirror. But we passed the time talking about the night a few months previously when we were present at Hamden with 136,500 as Celtic demolished the English champions' leads in the European Cup semi. As we approached the old Scoil Nishunta and Charman, which her mullers had attended in the 1930s, we thought we saw a woman dressed in white walking towards us. This was about 2am and under a bright moonlight, but as the vision passed us we glanced back and there was no sign of her. Now I've never believed in that sort of stuff but I'm just saying, I think it happened. We could have been the next big thing after Lourdes, Knock and Medjugorje, but next minute the three of us looked at each other and ran like fuck the mail or so to the mountain bar. We never really talked about it that night in the intervening 50 years, but I'm sure they might have a little scurry reminisce of reading this. For myself, I'm convinced it was just Mary Billy checking the road was clear for the Inishowen fisherman Big Lafferty to come in for a quick court. So at the start in 1970, that was the times we were in it. It's really hard to believe it's 50 years. We were a different country, but we were changing. Eamon de Valera, the last of the 1916 men, was still president, and Jack Lynch was swell standing idly by when we needed him most in the six counties, had followed Sean Lamas and created a new republic. And the IRA had followed Brendan Behan's theory, the first thing on the agenda of any political party is the split. Neil Blaney and Charlie Hawhey found out to their cost that rhetoric in the 26 counties towards a 32-county republic was just that, rhetoric. In Britain, the Tories were back in power with tragic consequences for the six counties, while Tricky Dicky Nixon visited Ireland amid protests against Vietnam and Dublin. In sport, the greatest racehorse of all time, Arkell, metaphorically ran his last race, while the great Nijinsky won the derby. Kerry and Cork dominated the All-Ireland Series. Waterford won the League of Ireland amid a run of six titles in eight seasons. And I was among a record crowd of 50,000 for a League of Ireland team at Lansdowne as they played Celtic in the European Cup. No disgrace losing 7-0 to that Celtic team. In the music world, Let It Be was the song of the ages and my favourite song of all time. And years later, as Josie sang it with emotion as we carried we ocean to his place of rest, the tears flowed. George Harrison continued the Beatles theme with My Sweet Lord. Joe Cocker gave us a little help from my friends. Elvis brought us the wonder of you and Simon Garfunkel made the iconic bridge over troubled water. An amazing time for music and although I'm, bi- I'm biased, it has never been surpassed. 
1970 was off its time. Gaddafi, Zimbabwe, the false curfew, Brazil and Pele won the World Cup, Cambodia and Vietnam, Celtic lost to Feyenoord in the European final, and Apollo 13 aborted another trip to the moon. While Neil McCafferty and others were preparing the contraceptive train to Belfast, the swinging 60s would morph into the violent 70s. I'll return to many of the events which shaped Ireland for the 70s during the next year. A decade of change like no other.